America Meditating Radio Show. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. Hi, everyone. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. We bridge divides, we seek deeper meaning, and we answer life's most compelling questions from experts around the world. Because in a world of uncertainty and division within and out, we will need answers right here, right now. Join me and guests on America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. The entire world wants. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And humanity saw that the sky was not the limit. Achievement. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat. I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't be my neighbor. My neighbor. Mr. Rogers passed along friendship, hoping we would too. Friendship. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome to America Meditating Radio Show. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, broadcasting from the beautiful Meditation Museum in the nation's capital. If you're ever in D.C., please come by and visit us. We'd love to have you. As you know, we're going to be relocating, so stay tuned to the newly revised space and 
place that we're going to find ourselves in. We're going to be developing this whole block here and for the next five years, Washington Property, which has been an incredible developer that we've had the privilege of working with over the last six years that we've been here. They've been very gracious to us, and we appreciate them immensely. You're listening to America Meditating Radio Show and 24-7 On Demand. You can get us on Spreaker, Stritcher, TuneIn, that if you download the free Pulse for Peace app, and of course on America Block Talk Radio. We try to change lives here, and we try to challenge your consciousness to be a little bit better than it was the second before this one. And so we're hoping that you can get onto the journey and continue to rise and shine because when you rise, others around you will do just about the same. We're looking forward to having Dr. Jill Murray, who's a best-selling author, and she's going to be joining us in about a minute or two. But before we get Dr. Murray on, why don't we go to Sister Gita and find out what special readings that she has for us today on the AM show. What do you have for us today? Good day to you all. I am selecting from Daddy Janki, and it's a short reading on kindness always. We know that a bully first has an inner conflict inside whereby he feels bullied, and so the expression to hurt others is a cry of that person's inner pain. So to end bullyship, let us try to be kind always. The result of pure, true love is always positive. Those with pure love are never influenced by anyone. Their ability to discern never diminishes. When your love is pure, others will feel that your intentions for them are pure. There will be love in your vision and there will be kindness in that love. In pure love, there is always kindness. Let your words be sweet and uplifting to others. Let your words never give pain to anyone. Try not to give sorrow or to take sorrow. Let's be kind always. Om Shanti, have a kind day.
Welcome back, everyone. I hope that took you in a place higher in terms of your consciousness and that you've got a little bit more extra courage to face whatever adversary or challenges you might be encountering at this time. We will all go through challenges. It's just the name of the game. But I think the question is, how do you pick up after them or with them when they're in front of you? Well, today we are very happy to welcome Dr. Jill Murray, who will help us to answer some of these questions. Dr. Murray is a best-selling author and practicing psychotherapist who helps people to recognize destructive relationships and to build healthier emotional lives. Dr. Murray has been featured on Oprah, Dr. Phil, 2020, CNN, and many more media venues, and she has spoken even before Congress in our nation's capital. She's the author of the best-selling books, But I Love Him, Protecting Your Teen Daughter from Controlling Abusive Dating Relationships, which has been used as a textbook in countless high schools and college courses. She also has a book, I think, A Guide to Changing the Unhealthy Relationships in Your Life, and her newest best-selling book, But He Never Hit Me, The Devastating Cost of Non-Physical Abuse to Girls and Women. It won the prestigious Publisher's Choice Award. Dr. Murray is a highly sought-after guest lecturer at International Conference on Domestic Violence. And she also teaches individuals how to empower their lives. Today, we're very happy to welcome Dr. Jill Murray to the America Meditating Radio Show. Welcome. Hello, Sister Jenna. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Murray. I'm so touched by the work that you're doing because one of the areas I've always been passionate about is about women empowerment. And far too often, our voices are quiet when they shouldn't be. They need to speak up. Right. And so... What is it, especially in the role of women, and I'm not saying that men don't also have their own challenges, but today we're talking about empowering young women or women in general. What is it that somehow makes us stay quiet in the midst of violence? You know, there are so many reasons why women stay, and and teenage girls as well, and, and boys and men as well, in abusive relationships in the face of violence. You know, just before... Uh, I came on the air with you. I was looking at today's top stories, and in uh, in my area, in Southern California, another police officer uh, was shot and killed um, answering a domestic violence call. These are, you know, really tragic, horrible circumstances. And the reason why women stay in in the face of domestic violence, Sister Jenna, is so complex, um, you know, I think that we've seen that in the media recently in the, you know, Ray Rice incident and, and many others. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand the complexities of what happens. And basically what goes on in a domestic violence relationship that, that causes a sort of phenomena of, of women losing their power, feeling disempowered and, and vulnerable, is that this relationship starts off really wonderfully uh, they you know uh, abusers be they men or women are very charming very manipulative and it's very important also to know that domestic violence situations are very intentional they're not accidental the abuser has a plan uh, for the victim and and the plan is to have power and control over them and so um, they will do what is necessary uh, to gain that power and control so they start off sweet they start off generous they start off, start off very complimentary extremely romantic which looks like very flattering behavior and and something that any of us would want and um, then slowly incrementally in very small steps the plan is is to really gut them spiritually emotionally and really to take their soul. And and when that happens, 
and the victims start believing what the abuser says, which are, you know, horrible things. You're fat, ugly, lazy, right. stupid. You know, nobody will ever love you. Um, nobody will ever, you know, love you as much as I do. Nobody will want you. Uh, everybody hates you. Everybody thinks you're crazy. All these kinds of things. Uh, blames you for everything that goes on in the relationship. Doesn't take oh. responsibility. You know, all these things. And it, you start feeling that way, and you start believing it. You know, even the, the the very smartest, most capable woman can really fall prey to this. And when this happens and the isolation happens, then um, then his plan works, that sure. you are really isolated and, and you are so emotionally dependent on him that you feel like you can't leave even if you want to. It, it's really very, very insidious, Sister Jenna. I bet it is, and especially the fact when your spiritual energy is like broken, when anything that's left in you that feels that you can have hope in, that's been given up. And I'm and I'm going to say this with empathy that we somehow give that up. Anyone can come to me and say this, 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 but at some point, if my energy just says I give into it, I give up to it, that becomes where really the danger signs are just so amplified. There was a time I was in L.A., it was actually this year, Dr. Marie, and I was passing by at this grocery store or something, and there was an, uh, an apartment complex, and I could hear a woman screaming at the top of her voice. And there were some children and an older lady sitting on the steps outside of the building, and obviously she was getting beaten up. I cannot tell you what I felt because my first initial reaction was to go over there and stop it because I'm a sister. I know, mean, but, mm-hmm. but the person mm-hmm. that I was with, they were like, no, Sister Jenna, it's okay. It happens a lot around here. Just keep... And then I couldn't stop that. I thought, well, why doesn't someone just call the police? You know, and it it weighed on me, Dr. Murray, because I actually, physically, I didn't call the police. Physically, I didn't go over as I think I should have. But emotionally, the only thing left for me to do was to connect to God and send good wishes to that soul, to actually to all of them. Uh, There was nothing more I could do. Um, What do you say about individuals who are aware of violence taking place in the lives of others but just can't do anything about it? Can they do something about it? Well, you know, that's such a, you know, I had such a visceral reaction when you were when you were talking about um this incident that you experienced um because it's so tragic and and you know, I I always remember Gandhi's words, you know, that you must be the change that you wish to see in the world and and it's horrible. It's just horrible when you are the friend of somebody in a domestic violence uh, relationship, um, a family member, even a bystander, as you were, and and you feel powerless to help. And I think that when you're a friend or a family member, let's say, and you have a direct connection with somebody, it can be really horrible because really sort of the life cycle, a relationship, an unhealthy relationship like that, is that you will hear a lot of the the things that are going on, you will hear the misery after a while, because at first it'll be very secretive. After a while, you might hear, oh, he's so mean to me, oh, he's so jealous, oh, I can't have any friends, blah, blah, blah. They'll try to isolate. And then maybe they'll break up, and you'll feel relieved for their, their emotional and physical safety. But then they'll get back together maybe a day later or two weeks later or three days later and and the cycle just keeps on continuing this honeymoon to tension building to explosive phase you know around and around like this and so i would say as somebody who wants to be a compassionate friend or or family member 
the very best thing to let this, this victim know is that you love them, that you have faith in them, that you trust that they're going to make a good decision, um, wow. that you always support them as a person and you will never leave them. You don't emotionally support the decision that they're making to be in this relationship, but you support them as a person and that you are a safe place to land. That's beautiful um, because it is so delicate. You know, it is so delicate because your friend or your loved one or your mother or your father, they're also in a very delicate place, and that's very empowering, Dr. Murray. That was very powerful. How did you get into this? How did you become an expert in destructive <laughs> relationships and domestic violence? You know, it's a very it's a very funny story, actually, Sister Jenna. It was very accidental, but it was actually very prophetic. I was in my last um, semester of, of graduate school, just before I was going to receive my doctorate degree, and we um, were required to to do outside counseling um, at some sort of agency. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was being called to do. And there was um, a posting on my school bulletin board about um, applying for an internship as a, uh, in a domestic violence agency. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I don't really know what domestic violence is. Actually, I sort of know the definition, but I'll go and check that out. And I did, and many, many people applied for this internship, and for some reason I got it. At the time, I didn't understand the reason, but then I became to understand the reason. And what I found when I was there was was that I was in a horribly abusive home life when I was a child, an extraordinarily abusive home. It just seemed normal to me, but it was very, very abusive. I was sexually abused by my father at a very young age for a very long time. My brothers were physically abused. My mother was emotionally and verbally abused. My father was really a terrorist in our household. And it, it took the women in that were the victims that were seeking shelter in this domestic violence shelter to help me understand that I was a victim um, and I was there to counsel them. It was a very humbling experience. And, and in that time, I counseled about 250 women and, and a lot of very sad children. And what I found was that every single woman there had started her abusive relationships with, with other people, if you don't count family um, interactions, which may or may not um, be the case, uh, when she was a young teenager, when she was 14, 15, 16 years old, every single one of them. And each abuser, subsequent abuser, got worse and worse. And, and then children were brought into, uh, into the relationship. And, and so armed with that knowledge, I decided to go to my children's high school and ask if I could talk about abusive dating relationships. And, and word really spread. And one day Oprah Winfrey <laughs> called. And, and, <laughs> and so and it sort of uh, grew from there. And, and uh, it's really been an enormous blessing, an enormous gift, and an incredible and humbling honor to be able to do this work. Sure. I mean, there's nothing more profound when you actually open up and face your life very honestly, where it really becomes a healing tool for you. And without anyone even knowing, it becomes a healing tool for many because that courage to actually look at the self from a level that we wouldn't, you know, is huge. And a lot of times when we hold these secretive pains within the soul, the, the, the distraction from the self 
that it offers us leads us down to unhealthy pathways of making choices. Now, I was actually quite shocked, Dr. Murray, about the fact that there's teen dating abuse going on already and that there's even domestic violence playing a part in teen dating. What's going on with that? Is that just a ripple effect of what's happening in the home? Is it that um, we are just living now in a generation where there just isn't a lot of internal tolerance, so it's just easier for us to project our limitations on others without thinking secondly about that? And the third thing, why are we getting used to it? You know, those are all very good questions, and I guess I would ask answer the, the second question first because I was very moved um, by Sister Gita's reading and on her meditation while I was waiting to speak with you and um, her preface about bullying. And when you really think about what an abuser is or who an abuser is, he or she is really a bully, and they want their way and they want their way with you, and they want to take it however they can and however destructive path they need to take in order to get that. And and so sometimes this starts in the home. On the part of an abuser, it always starts in the home where the child is being bullied and, and being discredited and being dishonored by his parents, and then he takes that outward just as, as a bully does, a schoolyard bully. On the part of the victim, it's not always so clear. Sometimes a child will come from a loving home, a nice home, but what I think is happening now, Sister Jenna, in, in our time, is that the, the pervasive media culture is so alarming and so spiritually yeah. destructive. You know, I yeah. think that almost all of the media that teenagers have to look at now is really, really harmful, really harmful. You have to look mm-hmm. far and wide to find something that really feeds the soul. And so w- when you turn on TV or you listen to music or you watch young women, I mean, you know, the the young women that are celebrities, many of them that are celebrities now, that are all over Instagram and are getting all their media attention, you know, they're showing their bare behinds and they're showing, mm-hmm. you know, their bodies in very gratuitous ways. And... You know, I think that young women looking at this, and certainly young men also, get a vision of what they're supposed to be like and what, how to receive attention and what beauty is and really looking at physical beauty rather than inner beauty. And the interactions that they see on these reality shows really are pathways to um, domestic violence. They're showing very Mm -hmm. unhealthy, disrespectful behavior. And so I think that teen dating abuse, which is a form of domestic violence, and it's really one and the same, we're just really talking about an age category, is so pervasive now. I think it's more pervasive than any other time in history. And though, fortunately, we're talking more about it as well. Well, um, some successful approaches in helping young men or women getting out of abusive relationships. Maybe just a few tips. I mean, what are some of the steps that they need to start to take to get out of accepting that that's okay? I think the most powerful step, if, if I may be you know, so um, self-gratuitous, is an idea that I developed while I was uh, working in, in this domestic violence shelter that I told you about, which is that love is a behavior. not just a feeling. And I think that when you're a teenager, you know, everything is feeling, feeling, feeling to the 10th power. We all remember that. But I think when we start looking at love as a behavior 
as you know as the way that somebody treats us especially day in and day out and most especially when their life isn't going well when uh, they're disappointed or when they're aggravated or when they feel slighted what kind of person what kind of stand up person are they because it's easy to be a great person when things are going great um mm-hmm. but it's not so easy to be a great person when things aren't so going so great so i think that helping teenagers understand that if somebody cheats on you, that's not loving behavior. If they don't let you have friends, that's not loving behavior. You know, if they isolate you, that's not loving behavior, on and on and on. And also, if you're in a relationship where you're crying, where you're crying a lot about your relationship and begging and pleading and apologizing for things you haven't done, that's not loving behavior. That's an abusive relationship. Or if you're ever scared of your partner, maybe not even scared that they're going to hit you, of course, but scared to have a different opinion, scared to be yourself, uh, scared of their temper, scared to make them angry. That's not loving behavior either. You should never be afraid of your partner ever. Can I interject here? Is it that even if, let's say you're in a relationship and the person's presence seems to be very dominant, right? But is there a point where even you as the individual, when you start to feel scared of your own thoughts, scared of saying anything, scared of... Isn't there something within you, too, as an individual that have to do some work on empowering your own sense of self-worth? Because is it that we run away from everyone who is dominant? And at what point do we actually step into our soul's power? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I think that's that's very profound. And so, you know, I think that as a therapist, that's really the work... You know, that's really our life's right. work is, is stepping into our own power, into our own being, um, and not allowing others to dominate that, but really to own it, to accept it, to to really feel grateful by it, and to offer it to others. And so, unfortunately, when you're in an abusive relationship that has been so robbed of you, your individual power and your individual right. spirit has been so robbed of you, and so... Small changes, um, Mm. such as recognizing the other person's behavior, especially when they're telling you that they love you, which is very true in an abusive relationship. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you to death, which always uh, really frightens me, Uh, (laughs) you know, which is told a lot, I love you to death, is that, you know, you really need to look at it and, and see what your soul is yearning for. Your soul is not yearning to be emotionally battered. Right. And let's say in terms of the parents, or what do parents do when they might see the signs that their child leaning towards receiving abusive behavior from their dates or their boyfriends? What are some of the steps you could tell a parent to tell their child? I think that it's important for parents to be very present in their children's lives. I think that a lot of times parents um, abdicate a parental role in favor of being pals to their children. And I Mm. think that, especially now, parents a lot of times really aren't present. You know, if you go to a restaurant and you see, uh, let's say, you know, a family of four uh, eating at at a table, you might see all four of them on their phones. You know, um, you see heads down and and even couples, you know, everybody's on their phone instead of interacting, which is so alarming to me. Yet this family will say, oh, we went out to dinner on Sunday night together. And so, um, you know, I think that being present in your children's lives, really listening to them, really talking to them instead of talking at them, understanding who they are as separate and unique individuals 
from you and what their what their daily internal lives are like. Children are faced with enormous pressures now, especially teenagers, that as parents sometimes we find it very difficult to understand. And I think most of all, being role models for the children, you know, the adults that you want your children to become is extraordinarily important. I can't tell you, Sister Jenna, how many times teenagers will come in at the insistence of their of their parents to to my practice because they're in an abusive relationship. And as soon as the door closes, they'll say something like, "My mom wants me to stop seeing my boyfriend, but you can't believe what's going on in my home." You know, yeah. and so being a, a role model, but even simple things like telling your your children that you know you take all the cell phones away when it's time for them to go to sleep because texting, and texting especially in the middle of the night between midnight and 5 a.m. is what happens in an abusive relationship, is texting over and over and over with nasty, horrible, vulgar texts. Mm. And the and the victim is required um, to answer at all hours. And, you know, yeah. in an abusive relationship, it, there's more than, you know, 7,000 texts in a, you know, in a day. Wow. And so this happens all day and all night. So just giving your child the relief of taking their cell phone, even something as simple as that, and well, being aware of what's going on in your child's life. Wow, that's incredible. Dr. Murray, you're just a, a well of riches and, and, and wisdom, and we appreciate the work that you're doing. We're getting to the close of our wonderful interview, and I've been feeling like just asking you. Here you've been working on all of these relationships and assisting them, guiding them, because it's really all we can do is to facilitate um, a better practice for individuals. But at the end of the day, individuals have to step up within their own power. On a personal note, what are one or two things that Dr. Murray does to keep her empowerment very present in her life story? Hmm. Well, I'm inspired by a quote from an unlikely source, which is Dr. Seuss, <laughs> um, <laughs> who said, uh, today I will behave as if this is the day I will be remembered. And um, I, I repeat that in my yoga meditation and practice every morning to myself as my intention, actually. And and sometimes I do behave as if this, this day I, I will be remembered, and I'm uh, somewhat successful at that, and some days I utterly fail, but it is always my intention. Oh, that's so beautiful. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the air. I know that your latest book, the title of that is... But He Never Hit Me. What did you learn from writing that one? I learned that um, when adult women and teenage women create a sisterhood instead of seeing themselves as disparate people, you know, that where teenage girls think, oh, this woman in her 50s doesn't understand what's going on in my life. Or vice versa, the the older woman feels like a, a teenager would never be able to uh, relate to the pain that I'm feeling. I feel like when we create this this sisterhood of women, we have enormous power, and that understanding is is a really beautiful thing. Oh, that's fantastic, Dr. Jill Murray. Thank you so much for joining us on the American Meditating Radio Show. Could you leave our listeners with a website that our listeners can? find you if they're in need for some more wisdom? Certainly. Uh, my website is www.drjillmurray.com D-R-J-I-L-L-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com and I'm happy to uh, answer any email questions or comments that your listeners might have. Thank you so much and all the very best for 2015. And you as well. 
So we've learned a lot from Dr. Murray today on this conversation that we had, and I think one of the interesting ones that touched me was really holding it in, you know, sometimes just not being able to speak it out. And the second thing is, as much as the memory of the beginning part of the relationships, you know, were filled with sweetness and kindness and charisma, if you see that first telltale sign of something abusive, that's when you step up and you go, if that happens again, I'm done. There was a young girl that came to the meditation museum a few years back, and she was dating a young man. And I think it was about six months after the relationship, he somehow must have told her that he was with, he had an, uh, an affair and a relationship with a 16-year-old. And for some reason, she's in her 20s, a graduate at George, George Washington University. She said, Sister Jenna, to me, that was a red flag. And she left him. And I don't know what it was about that scene with this young woman, but for me, she showed that she was clear that if that tendency is in him, then it would haunt her maybe 10, 15 years from now in their relationship or marriage, and she would have to deal with either accepting it or finding out about it much later on. And by that time, you've got kids, in-laws. It gets complicated. It gets complicated. So my dear friends that are listening on the air, please look out for the first telltale sign and give that one time that that if anything emerges on the second time, that's it. But you must hold true to that promise that you make just so that you can live a more safer and healthier relationship. You've been listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Today we had Dr. Jill Murray on. Please feel free to visit her on her website at Dr. Dr jillmurray.com for any advice and sharing as to how to just take control of your life and get out of the patterns of abuse. We wish you well and keep the light and keep the faith and please let no one make you think that you're less than the best. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and we are really here to love each other the same. So let's continue with amplifying that habit. Take care. Yeah.
Listen, yo.